0: Okay, I am in. Hey, Ali, I think it's me and you. Oh, and ya Uh, you're on. Okay, you're muted. That's why I don't hear you. You hear me? You hear me? Awesome. Chanetzia, you hear me? Awesome. This is great. This is super exciting. Yay! We're gonna get started. Should we wait a minute, or should we see if anybody else is joining us, or should we just get started? Huh? You're like, no, I don't know. You're like. Two minutes okay wait a second how do I I want this this is what I want to see. We'll give it a minute or so I still don't haven't figured out how to get that light how do I position it so the light oh. is not behind me oh there you go. Ah, look at that yay <laughs> Thank you Viola for the help okay 702 we are gonna get started. I've never been so prompt in starting classes before. This is like very like a, this is like a new thing for me. No, it's not really. I try to start classes on time, but we don't always. Shalom, Batya. Okay, where are we? We are Parshas MR, Okay. Hey, Sarah. We are Parshas Emor for a change. For a change, what? Hey, Sarah. Hey. For a change, we are not a double Parsha. Okay, this is very exciting. Ah, uh, is screaming in the background. It's a double Parsha. Okay, so for a change, we are not a double Parsha. We had two weeks before us, Tazria Mitzayra and Aparam Kedashim that were double parshias. This week is a standalone, and next week, Pahar B'Ruch is again going to be a double Parsha for anybody who's doing, uh, you know, learning Chumash every day, so that's an important little bit of information to have. Hey, Jenna. Um Hello. So, uh, so this is what's going on. So, Parshas It starts from chapter 21. We're really almost at the book of VaYikra. Uh, next week, basically, we're going to be finishing the book of VaYikra, um, and so we'll, you know, we'll talk about that next week, not this week. This week, we're going to focus on Emor. Now, um, so Emor basically has two themes, and then we're going to break it down from there. The two themes are Kohanim and the holidays. That's like, you know, if you want to say, like, the, the super cliff notes version of the situation, the first half of the Parsha, the first three aliyahs, talk about Kahanim, we're going to look at it a little bit, and the last four aliyahs, eh, la- almost, uh, talk about uh, all the holidays, and um, and the last, like, maftu, the last couple of sukkim, like all of a sudden we have like a shoe of a bunch of other stuff, which we're going to get to. So let's go inside and see what's going on. Now, one more thing before we get started, which I think is an important thing to remember in general for the, uh, it's, it's, I don't know exactly what it means, but I think it's an important thing to take, to, to have in mind, right? So in, in Hebrew, we basically have, uh, especially in Chomish, we have two words talking to, ta- that means speech. Right, we have emar and we have Daber. vay dabar Hashem al-Moshe is something that we see often in the Chumash. And here our parsha is going to start off Vayomer yomer Hashem al-Moshe. Hashem is going to speak to, Hashem speaks to Moshe and He says emor al vnei We're going to get to it in a second. But one of the things I think that's very important to, to um, highlight in the beginning is the difference between emor and daber. If you actually say it yourself, you could say nobody can hear you could hear you. Know, the only people around you're going to think you're crazy. Mr and daber. So emr is a so- they're softer letters. They come from the front of your mouth, and daber are all guttural letters, which is already going to tell us that emr is a softer way of speaking. It's going to be a more gentle way of speaking, and the whole parsha is going to go with that theme of somehow a gentle way of speaking, as opposed to vaydaber when when we hear daber we hear how the letters are harsher they're like it's it's it it, it hits you as opposed to MR, more which is going to be a softer way of talking we're going to get back to this we're going to get back to this soon but what is the what is the first thing that hashem is going to tell Moshe to tell Aaron to tell the kohanim the first thing they're going to talk about is that a kohan is not allowed to come in contact with the dead Except for their seven base relatives, their, their immediate seven, the immediate circle of seven: mother, father, sister, uh, complicated, brother, wife, and son and daughter. Okay, did I get seven? Mother, father, sister, brother, son, daughter, and spouse. Yeah, that's seven. Okay, so they're not allowed to come in contact with the dead for anybody. That means they're not allowed to go to funerals at all. And there's a whole conversation about going uh, that goes on a bunch of a bunch of sukkim there are also certain prohibitions that were already given to all of b'nei israel that are repeated again for the kohanim such as for example in pasakeh in verse 5 where it says you're not allowed to make you know you're not allowed to make bald patches in your hair you know the expression i'm ripping my hair out this is a literal form of mourning in Biblical times, the Kohanim were not allowed to do it. Parenthetically, neither were any other Jews. But here we're talking specifically to Kohanim and things that are specific to them. So that's one thing he talks about. And also talks about you're not allowed to um, you can't like scratch yourself like as a sign of mourning. I'm in such pain to be with somebody else in their pain. You're not allowed to do that. So as I said, it's also it's also a, pro- a prohibition that's given in A to all of the Jewish people. Here it's given specifically um, to the Kohanim, okay? And then it goes on to um, who a Kohan may or may not marry. Um, what happens if somebody, if a Kohain marries somebody that he should not? What happens to their children? What is the status of their children? If he in fact does marry them? Um, and then, and then in Pasuk Yud, and the Kohen Gadol, the one who is greater than everybody, he is not allowed to become Tameh for anybody, not a mother, not a father, not a wife, not a sister, not a brother, not a son, not a daughter. The only person that a Kohen Gadol is allowed to become tummy to go to, to be involved in their funeral process is what's called a mate mitzvah, somebody who passes away and has no known living relatives. They the the the, the, the Chomish and the Talmud expands on the scenario of somebody who's found in the middle of the way, nobody knows who they are, they and and what's the whole process of burying such a person. The coin goddamn goes out for such a person, but not for any of their other. Uh, other uh, relatives, and in fact, the Kohen Gadol is allowed to continue doing the service in this state. It's called Onen. An Onen is somebody whose first-degree relative passed away before they are buried. So the person, the mourner, I guess, is has a halachic status of Onen. They're not allowed to do any mitzvahs, because they're supposed to be um, dealing with the burial, and so therefore they're not allowed to do any mitzvahs. The Kohen Gadol does do he is makriv Oned. He does do the service while he's while he is in this status. It doesn't uh, it doesn't affect him at all. I mean, it affects him emotionally, but not halachically. Practically, he has to like the show definitely must go on. Hey Nora, and um, and a kohen gadol is only allowed to marry a virgin. Of, all other kohanim have other uh, prohibitions on who they may or may not marry, but the the kohen has the, the tightest restrictions. And that's, that's the first aliyah. Then we talk about a ko, which kind of Kohen is allowed to serve in the Beis Hamikdash. And it goes through a whole list of what's called mumim defects that, uh, that would invalidate a Kohen from serving in the Beis Hamikdash. It does not invalidate them from eating from any of the holy items. They're allowed to eat kutchen. They're allowed to take part of all the sacrifices and all those things. They're not actually allowed to... Uh, perform the service; they're not allowed to be the medium for bringing a carbon. And if you look through the, if you look through the Psukim, they go from the temporary to the permanent. They go somebody with broken a broken limb, can't serve in the base hamikdash. Somebody who has a unibrow can't serve in the base hamikdash. Somebody who I didn't make it up. I don't know if Viola is asking what if they pluck it, right? But then you run into other issues of um, you're not allowed to do woman men, service. A man is not allowed to do. Men aren't allowed you know, to pluck their eyebrows. Exactly. So then we run into the whole other situation. Um, for example, being a lefty is considered a mum in the base of Mikdash. My son-in-law is a Kohen. He's a lefty. He's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like, start practicing with your right hand, dude. You know, um, some things we understand. We understand why somebody who has a broken leg, can't serve in the base of You know, wait a couple of weeks, do your physical therapy, heal, and everything's going to be fine. Something that, for example, somebody who has one limb longer than the other, somebody who has a bulbous nose, somebody who has very large or very small ears, tight-set eyes—all these things. The chumash goes into like a great, great detail as to why you know who is considered a balmum, and it's a very—it's like a very disturbing thing, I have to say. You know, like. You know, some guy who's bungee jumping and breaks his leg, okay, don't serve the Mesa Mikdash, you know, but what about somebody who's born uh, through no fault of their own in a way that now invalidates them for the service of the Mesa Mikdash? It's like, you know, wow, it really, it, it doesn't sit well, it doesn't feel good. Um, and and if you look in the Mufarshan, they have all different kinds of situations, like they have different answers. So for example, you have the, Ram, the Rambam, Maimonides, who talks about the idea that the Bessam Mikdash is a place of perfection. It's a place of beauty, it's a place, a place of of like, everything is gorgeous and, and great. And as much as we don't want to admit it, human nature is that we judge people differently based on what they're what they look like, okay? I, I don't have the studies on hand, but I've definitely seen studies that tall, beautiful people get paid more than, than, you know, than the nerds in the back room, unless they're the ones who are writing the programs and of course are making more money. But I'm just saying, like, there is a place that it's human nature to somehow ascribe um, uh, qualities of, of whatever, big, good big qualities to people who are big and beautiful. It's human nature, and the Rambam's like, we're dealing with the facts on the ground. This is human nature. One second, Nora, I'm gonna take you in a second. And, and we deal with the human nature, Nora. In psychology, it's called the halo effect. That if, you, if a person knows that someone else has one positive quality, they assume everything else. So if they know someone's smart, they assume that they're more good looking, that they're funnier, that they're a bunch of things. Exactly. So, so this is so. So now you could argue with the Rambam and say, well, it shouldn't be like that in the way. there should be a place of of absolute perfection, and we shouldn't deal with what people feel, and we should raise them to a higher level. And and all of those are really true statements. Um, and what's very interesting, and what's very interesting is that in Hasidus, they have a whole conversation about like like what's the deal with this, like Benet, like why can't a Balamum serve in the of And one of the things that Hasidus discusses at great length is the fact that we you know i here's my little interpretation for a second you know um there's this place that we feel that there's one way of serving hashem whatever way we think is like the most glorious you know i think today in in corona season you know, all are the shul and the community center and the rabbi, and that's the only way to serve Hashem. Like, that's going out the window. So, the question is, what other paradigms, and really, this is what Hashem is telling us, this is what the explains, is that there is not one model to serve Hashem. And in general, Hasidus, Hasidus divides it into two you have the tzaddik and you have the Balchuva. You have the, the person, the beautiful, never goes off, you know, the, 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 the the beaten path. And then you have all the rest of us, you know, those of us who do the best that we can. And we mess up and we, we try to fix it up as much as best as we can. And, and Hasidus goes and explains and says like, and to parallel that for a second, we also have two services. We have two main, like beautiful days. We have Yom Kippur. And we have the the official name for Yom Kippur is Yom Kippurim. So what's the second day that that uh, is going to highlight? Purim. Okay. We have Yom Kippur. It is perfect. It is precise. It is majestic. It is for everybody. It's a spectator sport. Kain is like, you know, on point and focused and da 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 da. -da, Right. And Purim is like whoa. And that's really two ways of serving Hashem. One way of serving Hashem is like stylized beauty sadik um carbon is in that lineup okay that place of of karo, being close to hashem through the precise details of how we bring a carbon but the, for the majority of us that's not how we serve hashem and as jewish people we have not done service to the Besa Mikdash for a very 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 long time right like for what, almost 2,000 years, we haven't had a temple standing. What have we been doing instead of sacrifices? We have prayer and prayer is personal and prayer is, is anybody can do it. Every single day in Davening, we read the Avai the Kayangano and any single person, when we read the Davening, preferably if you know what you're talking about, if you have some Kavana that's even like awesome, but you get to do that service by interacting with prayer. And so, when somebody is a mum, somebody has some kind of deficit, some kind of physical defect, Hashem isn't saying, you can't serve in the base of He's saying, that's not your avayda. Your avayda isn't supposed to be the straight line, this. It's supposed to be the wild and crazy and out of the box and having an intense relationship that is personified by Purim, by prayer. And and by you know by by all the things not based hamikdash it's not it's not that that's, it's, how do you say this it's not that that isn't a good service both of these services are important but not everybody does either of them we I, I would probably say that there are pro- possibly parts within ourselves where we do bits of both but I think as a as a as an overall structure you know that place of us working and struggling and trying to connect to Hashem. Is, is, um, is I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that that's the reality for most of us. Most of us don't have it all down pat and organized, and and you know, not that we aren't working for it, but I feel like there is such a beautiful, amazing place for those of us who aren't perfect to have a relationship with Hashem, and that is that is actually symbolized by the Baal who can't serve the base of That's not his Avodah, and guess what, women. Don't serve in the Beis HaMikdash, but we get to be the Baal Mung doing the tefillah and the doing the, the, the alternate service of Hashem of playing to our strengths and not just saying, oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. We can't do that. We all get to, I think it's highlighting this place of all the things that we can do rather than saying this is what we can not do. I'm not dissing service in the Beis HaMikdash. It's going to be rebuilt. We're going to be happy to like let those beautiful people do the service and we'll cheer them on we'll bring our car and we'll be super happy for that. But in the meantime, I feel like for, for me, it's kind of like, there's a place that it speaks to me to be able to like, okay, there's a place for the imperfect service for the place that we're doing the best we can. And sometimes we do it better. And sometimes we do it worse and we're trying, and that's all that anybody's going to ask of us. So that's, uh, that's back. So that's the, the bottom line over here. Um, we're still in, we're still in, um, in Shaney. Okay. this still, these are the, these are women. Da, 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 da. Then it talks about Dr. if you Mark, become. Can I ask a question? Absolutely. Um, okay. So I'm just thinking like as, as you're describing that. Um, I think the Torah often has this language of like restriction and prohibition and kind of like you just phrased it That's really not what it's necessarily pointing to like it's often pointing to like there's an alternative way Or like like I think about when I started keeping Shabbat and like with Shabbat growing up It always was like why would I keep those rules? There's such a restriction and now I see it as like, oh, it's not a restriction This is like really an opportunity and so similarly to what you were talking about, but I think I get really frustrated sometimes when the Torah always has this like prohibitive language that's like very harsh. Right. So, so now here's the question. Can we tag a harsh message with an MR language? That, that's really, that, that's the question. Is the language in and of itself harsh? This is, I, I'm, this is my own thing. You don't have to buy my challenge. Um, is the language in and of itself harsh? or are we ascribing meaning to it that if we were to zoom out and see what is the context that is being said, that it might not actually be there. Meaning Tyra is definitely not like Lala, Kumbaya, everybody do what you want and feel good and blah, blah, blah. Like that's not, what? Right. It's not Tyra. That's not how Tyra works. Tyra, like God has things that he says, these are the things I like, these are the things I don't like, these are the things I like less, but whatever, you know, the question of the judgment Paul, that that's us ascribing meaning to words that are written. Do you know what I mean? And I think that that's part of the dichotomy of the Parsha, because the, the, the Parsha is full of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you just said that kind of statements. And yet it's in a Parsha of Emma. It's in a Parsha that's, that's gentle and that's loving and that's soft. And so maybe it's up to us to like get off the tree a little bit and not get offended every single time something happens that... Like you say, you know, you look at it from the outside and it's like, oh my gosh, I could never. And then you come inside and you're like, oh, you know, side, side random story. So I have a friend, Sarah Tzedok, who lives up in the Golan. Uh, she does, she's a writer and all kinds of fun stuff. She once was telling me that she had her kids, she had like a roll of butcher paper and she pulled it out of the backyard and she gave the kids crayons and they were like, Yay. Four minutes later, they were done. And she was like, oh my gosh, this is like the most fun activity. What is wrong with these kids? And she had a friend at her house who happened to have been, I mean, nothing ever happens to with it, you know, was an art therapist. And she said, Sarah, you need to make a box for the kids. Every kid got a box. It doesn't matter how big you make the box, but there has to be a border to their creativity. And she's like, she's like, this is crazy. She made boxes for the kids and they were quiet. For hours, because the, the borders were defined, they were able to shine. It, it wasn't. It wasn't all over the place. It was like, okay, my box is this big, but it, but it's there. These are the borders, and this is how much space I want to expand it and and, and go in. And she was like, it was such an amazing thing to hear, and it's something that I've, I've thought about a lot. Of like the places of the restrictions. You know, the restrictions don't mean this necessarily. I mean, they do but they don't always mean that. Sometimes they mean like, okay, this is where, this is where my red lines are. If I have no red lines and I'm just like all over the place, that's ridiculous. But if I have a sense of who I am and what I do and what my values are, that's my box. And that's as far as I'm gonna go or not go. Um, I think it's a place that gives that gives us the place to, to really grow instead of being like frightened by all the freedom. I don't know, maybe I'm just, you know, buying my own Kool-Aid which would not be a terrible thing if I actually believe the things that I say. So those are my thoughts on the subject. Okay, um, then we have a conversation of what happens to a Kohane who gets any kind of minor impurity. We're not talking about coming in contact with the dead. That's a whole different conversation, but there's all different minor kind of impurities that would happen to a cohain. Some of them are from himself. Uh, if they have a seminal emission, if they touch a, a, a creepy crawly, different kinds of things. Um, and most of it, it gives the things that you have to uh, go to the mikvah. And most of the things that we talk about here are, are um, it takes a day for the, the coin to get out of that state of Tuma. And, um, and then it talks. And so when he's in a state of Tuma, he's not allowed to eat any of the little, um, blah blah. blah any of the matnas kahuna, any of the, the parts of carbonus that are given to the Kohanim, he's not allowed to eat unless he's in a state of tuma. Interesting little bit of information is that anybody in his household um, is allowed to eat from that, not his guests. So if we go over to the Kohain, they can't serve us, um, they can't serve us uh, karbonus, uh, that they're allowed to take out of the base of Mikdash. Um, but their servants are allowed to, because that becomes the Kohen's responsibility. So if you go, you know, when has comes to go to the Kohen for a barbecue, there's going to be like the one, one barbecue is going to be like for the Kohen and his family. And then the other stuff's going to be for the rest of us over there, because we can't eat the, we can't eat the sacrifice stuff. So that's going to have a conversation over here. And then in Schleish, oh, uh, yeah. Um okay then it talks about. she talks about animals have to be uh um oh i'm losing my thing have to be complete uh, you can't bring an animal that's blemished as a carbon it talks about how old an animal has to be and it has to be at least eight days old um and you're not allowed to to kill an animal um, and its mother on the same day you're not allowed to offer sacrifices of the mother and the animal on the same day and then this is kind of what I really wanted to talk about, but we didn't finish the parship, but we'll get back to it. Um, chapter 22, verse 32 and 33. We have this kind of random smack in the middle. It says, V'lo You should not desecrate my holy name. B'nei Yisrael, and I should be, um, uh, what's that word? I should be holy. That's not a real word. Sanctified, sanctified, sanctified. That's the word, yes. Um, I should be sanctified amongst amongst the Jewish people. I am Hashem who uh, who makes you holy, who took you out of the land of Egypt, da-da-da. And that's the, end of, that's the end of the third Aliyah. Um, there's a whole conversation, and we're going to get back to it, that this verse over here is the basis, the halachic basis, first of all, for davening with a minyan and all different kinds of stuff. And there's, there's all different kinds of things that are going on here. But this is also, according to the Rambam, this is the basis for the mitzvah of... Chilul Hashem and Kiddush Hashem, desecrating Hashem's name and sanctifying Hashem's name. We're going to get back to that. Um, The rest from Ravi, we're going to end up having all the Yom Taitim. It starts with Shabbos, goes to Pesach, Shruis, Sukkis, Yom Rosh Hashem. Obviously, Yom Kippur come before. So we're going to have all those, most of the tires that you're going to find flying around to be about Shavuos because we have over here we have the it's right here, it's in this week's Parsha. Okay, it's really very exciting. Um, an interesting thing, an observation I don't know what it means, okay, I don't know what it means at all, uh, but it just kind of struck me. So, this week's Parsha Emor has, like I said, has all the, the um, has like the the I, the oh my gosh, I'm losing my English, um, all the of the of the Yom Taivim, like the information about the Yom Taivim. This is when you should have it. This is when you should do it. Blah blah blah. In Parshas Pinchas, it's going to give us the second part of Parshas Pinchas. Is going to give us all the Karbanis that we bring on every single holiday. Okay. Um. This so the readings for the Parshas comes from Mr. Pinchas also has like the different all the Karbanis that we bring for for um for Yom Tavim. I don't know what it means, but Mr and Pinchas are both Parshas that are never combined, okay? When we talk about some parsha like Mos Kedoshim is sometimes together, sometimes not together, bahar B'chub is sometimes together, sometimes not together, Emmer is never a joint parsha, and Pinchas is not is never a joint parsha. I don't know what it means, I, but I, I was just struck by that similarity, so I figured, you know what, I'm going to give it to you guys. It's either going to mean something or it's not going to mean something. I'm sure it means something, and I just don't know what it means, so that's, that's also an answer. So we have the rest of the thing. Till the Shvi, till Shishi, we're having all the Amtaibim, We have lekachte uh, mecham creates Hadar, The whole thing about sukkahs and the four kinds—it's all going on over here. Chapter twenty-four, which is still in Shvi, is going to have the uh, the commandment to make uh, holy oil Zayetzach. Uh, for the ner tamid, for the, there was a, a light that was lit all the time, in addition to the Menorah. So there was oil. We have a commandment for that. We also have the conversation of the lechem hapanim, how we make the showbread, and how it was changed every week on Shabbos. Um, and then we have a crazy story. Okay, it's three lines. Chapter 24, verse 10. Um, okay, we have this thing in the ben ishi Yisraelit. Uh, this person, the son of an Israelite woman, Buhu ben Ishmitri, and he is the son of an Egyptian man. He goes Bitoch ben Israel, he he um goes in the middle of Ben an Israel, Vayinatsub Machana, and he fights Ben Israelit Vishraeli. There's a the son of the of the Israelite woman and a man and an Israelite man are fighting. And Vayakov Ben Hayisha Ishahi et Hashem and the this cha, the son of the Israelite woman curses God, Right? He 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 curses, and it's not like oh my God. He was like he really he cursed out the person and his God. Vayavio to Moshe. They bring him to Moshe. imon the name of his mother is Shlomit, but Divri leMated Dan. His name is his his mother's name is Shlomit. This uh, the daughter of Divri, and she's from the tribe of Dan. And they don't know what to do with him, and they put him into into jail to find out what to do with him. And then we find out that the, the punishment for cursing God is in fact death. And we have this conversation what to do with him. And the end of the parsha has to do with uh, retribution. If you, if you hit somebody, if you kill somebody, then you should die. And if you hit somebody, uh, eye, eye, an eye for an eye, and blah, 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 blah. blah. And that's how the parsha ends. Yes, Nora. Is there ever another time in Torah that we talk about jail? Yes, twice. We have it We have it mentioned twice. We have it now, and we also have it with the story of the Makoshesh and the person who was gathering trees on Shabbos. And it also talks about that he was put in, Mish, in, in Mishmar, in a jail. And the difference that Rashi brings out and the Farshim bring out was that the, the Makoshesh and the person who's gathering wood on Shabbos, they knew he was supposed to die. They knew that the penalty for breaking Shabbos it's not so easy to kill somebody, so, you know, everybody relax. But the punishment for kill, for, for being Mahal Shabbos, for desecrating Shabbos, is death. They just didn't know which form of death he would get. Here, it became a more complicated issue, and they weren't sure because his mother was Jewish and his father was was Egyptian, was that going to influence what his punishment was going to do? Does he get punished as, you know, a full-fledged Israelite, what the story is. And the end of the story is that he was in fact killed, um, but it's an interest. it's like, first of all, it's a crazy story, okay? First of all, I love crazy, I love crazy Chumash stories. Um, and so Rashi, um, uh, where did I just put that? Oh, I had to hear one second. Um, Rashi talks about what was going on, okay? Why was he, uh, what was he upset about? Okay, so it says that he went out and he, where did he live? So Rashi says, Rabbi Levi Omer, he just like, he went crazy. He just like freaked out and they're, okay, like what's going on? So he was saying He's like, what kind of religion is this? You you're giving the king weak old bread. What's this thing? He's looking at the laws that we just talked about of the lechem upon him, and he's like, what kind of crazy religion? You have these stupid laws. They don't make any sense. Who eats old bread? And and it's ridiculous. That's that's one option that that Rashi brings over here. The other thing that we have over here is um is that uh. Dino he left the court of Moshe um, uh, not, not exonerated, but what's the other one? Guilty. okay he had what was the situation? He, he came to pitch his tent with the children of Dan. Amrulo, so they said to him, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. So he says to them, Danani, I'm from the children of Dan. So they what was the answer? Tribe goes by your father. Tribe goes by your father. You don't belong here. So they go to Moshe. They go to they go for a court case. And he is, in fact, found. They say, yes, you, the, this is this isn't where you belong. Nora, question. What about the of Rav, the um, Egyptians who had converted? Did, what were they doing and why couldn't he hang with them? Maybe he didn't want to. They they who are they? They're just riffraff. They don't have any place. I I have th- my mother's from Dunn. I should be with the Dunn. I should be with Dunn. Do Why are you not they had like a homeless camp on the side or what? Probably not a home. it's probably not a homeless camp. It's probably a something. It's it's a camp. It's probably some kind of camp. They have to live someplace. The court the, the camp is very, very big, but they aren't in th- you know, if you remember the the in the in the desert, there were three camps. You had Machane Shchina, that was the, the that was the Mishkan. You had Machane Leviyah, that was the Levites, and Moshe and Aaron, They were the first round around the around the, around the, uh, the uh, around the Mishkan. And then you had Machane Yisrael, which was the four camps of the tribes um, set up. You know, three tribes on each side. There has to be some place else for everybody who's not part of the tribes to be part of. But he's like, I'm not with those guys. Those guys have no affiliation. They just, they're hangers-oners. Hangers-on, hangers, whatever, whatever. So they, who are they? You know, me and me, what do they I have, I have a connection to the tribe of Don. And hey, Arlie, um, I, have, I have a connection. So I should be allowed to be with Don. And Don's like, you gotta be kidding, dude. We have, you're not part of our gang. You're, your father's an Egyptian. Um, now, a, a couple of interesting things. First of all, um, I think that that uh, you know that this place of as we we colloquially colloquially say, you know he he blesses God. We don't want to say that he cursed God. It's like we don't talk in that kind of language. Um us, we have to like for a second say like this guy had a lot of reason to be very angry. You know, he's if his father is Egyptian, then he saw his his father's team get taken down very, very, very majorly. His mother's team doesn't want to accept him. He doesn't have a place in the community. He, he you know, he has issues, let's say with, with some of the ritual, it like doesn't really speak to him. We have to a little bit understand where he's coming from. Um, to me, there's something very, very interesting about the whole thing. And one of the things that I think, um, and this is, this is like my observation, it isn't, I can't tell you where I saw it, but one of the things that we know about the tribe of Dan is that they're gonna get the name Dan Ma'asef Lechol HaMachanot. When the Jews moved through the camps, the tribe of Dan was the largest, they were the last to go, and they used to spread across the length of the camp, and their job was to pick everything up that they found along the way. So in the desert, they were you know relieving what what sarah what's the the phrase we're going to leave it as we found it you know leave 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 nature as we found it their job was to pick up everything whether it was you know shoes children things whatever whatever got lost along the way the tribe of dan their job was to be the massif. they had to connect they had to collect everything and one of the things Sorry that they talk about it. in Kabbalah is that a lot of gayrim, a lot of converts came in through the tribe of Dan. That that was part of what they were also masset, that they were also uh, gathering together. And I wonder, I wonder, was it cosmic? Not payback. That's the wrong word. But like a tikkun, because here was one guy who said, "Could I pitch my tent with you?" Now, really, really, what would it have cost them? So you're right. In the longer, t- in the bigger picture it would have cost, because if he was in with Dan, then when they come to Eretz Israel, he would be entitled to a part of the land that was there. So everybody's going to lose a little, practically speaking, everybody's going to lose a little bit if he's allowed to pitch his tent with them. It's not just, oh, can I be your neighbor? It's, oh, can I be part of your tribe? And therefore, I'm one of the people who's entitled to a portion of the land of Israel that was given to the tribe of Dan. And, and I'm not, they, 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 this guy comes out of Moshe's court. And he's wrong, and they're right. And yet, and yet, there is this place that, that they maybe weren't 100% right. Because this is something that they're gonna be paying for the time in the desert. This is gonna become their job. They're the masef They're gonna be the ones who are hurt. You know, that's their job. Their job is gonna to be to, to, to bring the disenfranchised and bring them in. Um, So, you know, does it, is that a good thing in the end, that there is, there isn't, there is an avenue, you know, I'm just bringing you some thoughts that I think are to me very interesting on the whole situation. Um, Yeah, I think, I think sometimes we want to just paint things as black and white. And he was wrong and they were right. And maybe the story is a little bit more complicated. Maybe he wasn't so wrong. Maybe his behavior was wrong, but he had some solid reasoning for being upset. Maybe he should have expressed himself differently. Use your words, your nice words, not your, nah, you know, but, um, but like, can we see his side of the picture a little bit? And maybe Don was right, but maybe they weren't totally right. So that's, that's kind of uh, my thoughts on the subject. That's the Parsha. Something else that I just want to point out is that our Parsha is opening and closing with speech, right? The last story that we have is again about the misuse of speech. This person who's gonna bless Hashem, as we say, uh, that's a misuse of speech. And the beginning is this conversation of speaking to the Kohanim. That's the beginning of that's the beginning of the um, the story. Now, um, I want to talk about Kiddush Hashem a little bit because the the most common most common. Uh, I'm going to say one thing, and then we're going to go to Kiddush Hashem because I, I actually do, We're doing super fine for time. This is awesome. Okay. Um, uh, we have to look at we have to look at Rashi for a second. Okay, the beginning of the first Rashi, chapter twenty one, verse one, that uh, everybody, every single commentary talks about the conversation of this double language. Hashem says to Moshe, Aaron, speak to the chil- to the Kohanim the, ch- the, the 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 children of Aaron, and say to them uh, that they, sh- they shouldn't become uh, they shouldn't become uh, impure by coming in contact with the dead." And everybody says, why do we have the redundancy of language? Why do we have the redundancy of language? Um, and I'm not going to get into the whole conversation because I'm sure if anybody's been to any has learned any partially you've already had this conversation, but I do think it's so important to highlight that Rashi says, La to warn, to shine, right? La Hazhir from Zohar, right? That same that same language to have the older ones looking out for the younger ones but specifically in the manner of zohar in the manner of shining back to our emor our language of our gentle language um to, to say that how do we instruct how do we instruct others people who are younger or less knowledgeable than we are or and this is an even more important one how do we talk to ourselves you know the place within ourself where we are not so big and mature and have it all together, right? We all have the gedolim part of ourselves and the katanim part of ourselves. We have a place where like we have it together and we know the right thing to do and we know what the right thing to do is and somehow we don't always. Like what is the language that we are going to use with ourselves when we act like katanim? when we act like We don't live up to our potential. Are we going to kick ourselves and say, I can't believe you did that again, you're such an idiot, blah, blah, or are we going to say, that's here, can I illuminate a better way for ourselves? It's so much easier to say, oh, for them, that's, yeah, yeah. How do we talk to ourselves? What's the language we use for ourselves when we aren't doing the best we can? When we aren't living up to our potential, can we talk nicely to ourselves? Can we use gentle language? Can we use lahazir? Can we use zohar language? Can we learn use language that illuminates and 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 helps us shine lights the way for us to do to make a better choice? Or do we think boom, 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 you're such an idiot? I can't believe you did that again. We all know that doesn't work. So why do we keep trying it? And and you know, really, really I'm not even talking about how we talk to other people because somehow we know how to pull it together for somebody else. When your friend comes and does something stupid, you never say to your friend, oh my God, you're such an idiot, I can't believe you did that again. But we say it to ourselves all the time. We, do, we use that language to ourselves and we say, I can't believe you did it again, I, you said you were never gonna. Lahaz here, talk nicely to yourself. Be gentle when we make a mistake, be forgiving of ourselves and shine a light that allows us to make a better choice. That doesn't make us like buckle down and stick to our guns and say, oh, I'm never gonna change. Be a little nice to ourselves. It's, it definitely is gonna work much better than trying to hit ourselves over the head. And you have less bruises to show for it at the same time. Okay. So here we are. This is what I want to talk about. I want to talk because I should get everybody to talk about all the things. Let's talk about something random in the middle of the partial. Um, so, Parakhav Bez, Chapter twenty-two, verse thirty-two. Lo kochi. You should not. Um what's the chapter Chapter twenty-two, verse thirty-two. Tichalulu comes from the word, the root of chol, of mundane. Okay. Uh, it comes from casual, making Hashem's name casual, and and there and the Rambam. Got my trusty Rambam over here. Um, by the way, little plug for Rifka Marga. I'm. Two and a half months from away from finishing my cycle of Rambam and I'll let you know when the CM is coming. So it's coming in Tamas, and I'm super excited, but yeah, I'm like, like I'm like Here's my Rambam. Um, so the ninth positive mitzvah is the mitzvah ha, the commandment that we are commandment, commanded, oh, al kiddush Hashem, the place of of uh, of sanctifying God's name. And it talks, and he, and he brings the pasuk that I will be, which is the second part of our pasuk that I will be sanctified amongst the Jewish people. And there's there's a whole conversation. Okay, the Rambam has like a lot of words to say about this. We're not going to read the whole Rambam. I want to talk about it for two minutes. There's two parts to the mitzvah. They don't necessarily uh, always happen both of them. The place of chil hashem, the place of desecrating Hashem's name, comes in many forms. You know, the most gentle form is when we act like idiots you know when we just do stupid behavior and they don't say oh look at that girl who's being stupid they say oh look at that religious girl who's being stupid um, uh, the bigger places the bigger conversation of of uh kiddush hashem of uh, sorry if we talk about like there is a place where they go together but like the place of of not desecrating hashem's name and it's going to end up happening. What happens? First of all, we know that there are three mitzvahs that we are never, ever, 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 ever allowed to, to transgress. It makes no difference what the situation is. It doesn't matter if it's to save your life, right? Adultery, idolatry, and murder are the three thou shalt not ever, ever, ever's. It doesn't matter what's going on. So if somebody comes and says, "Kill this person," or "I'm going to kill you," you need to be you need to be willing to uh, to be killed and not to not to uh, and not to transgress that. Um, uh, what happens to the other, you know, just an interesting thing, you know, um, adult, idolatry, right? Uh, idolatry, you know, like we don't think of ourselves as bowing to uh, to little, you know, or large statues anymore. But um, there's a lot of like, uh, you know, Eastern, Eastern practices and Eastern medication that has to be made sure that it's actually um, um, to... Uh, to be, we have to make sure it's coming from a, ju- a good source. Because even if it's to save your life, you can't use something that's based in, Id- in idol worship. Um, so this is it's just it just like a like a public service announcement that it's an important thing to have. Um, then what has so let's t- let's take the big three out. Then 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 what happens? Then the scenario keeps moving. What happens if it's uh, somebody who just they're not being malicious. They're just want to, you know, it's convenient for them. Somebody, you're a contractor, they're building a house, they have a lot of power over you, and they want the, you to work on Shabbos. Um, what are the, you know, where, where are the parameters? The Rambam says, what happens if there's a time of Shemad, if there's a time of forced conversion of the Jewish people, then you're not allowed to, then you're not allowed to give give way on anything. Um, and and conversely, this place of Kiddush Hashem um, and, I, and is what happens when we do the right thing? You know, the Rambam talks about in his mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem. He talks about not being afraid, not being afraid of what people are gonna say. Not, he, he writes here very powerful language. I should have underlined it, but I didn't. Um, oh, he says here, I actually found it, how do you like that? He says that not only can't we listen to them, we can't let the person think that they won, that, that, that we're giving in to them. And a famous story that the, the Rambam doesn't bring here, but the Gemara brings of the, of the Hanukkah story, when whether it was or it was not Hannah and her seven sons, Right, we have the story of the woman and all her children were told to buy to an idol and they didn't and they didn't and they didn't and they get to the youngest son the child number seven uh, king's feeling a little foolish because he's killed the six older brothers and this little child is there and he's like bowing. he's like i'm not gonna bow i'm not gonna bow and he's like how about if i roll my ring down you go pick up my ring i'll know you're picking up my ring you'll know you're picking up my ring and they'll and it, but it'll look like you're bound to the idol he's like no way no way i'm not giving the appearance of giving in um now we bar hashem, you know, for the most part, we live in countries where they aren't killing us if we want to keep Shabbos, and they aren't killing us if we want to do things. We thank God are not living in a time of forced conversion. I mean, it, it, there's there's maybe there's a subtle uh, not conversion, but like the 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 seduction of of life and and how easy it could be if we do differently and if we don't. Um, and so I want to give us a, 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 a bolster, a shot in the arm, a, a place of when we make the right decision, you know, when we choose what we know we should be doing, how powerful is that and how much Hashem loves it. And the, the Ram actually brings the story of uh, Hanani and Nazaria, who in the time of Nebuchadnezzar, every single person in the whole country was bowing to this statue of Nebuchadnezzar. And, and these three, maybe kids, said, I don't know how old they were, we're not going to do that. That's not okay. We're not going to give the appearance of buying into your, into your balagan. We're just not doing that. And through the three of them standing up for Hashem, it made such a ripple effect that it helped the entire Jewish people. It wasn't just a personal victory. It became that somebody stood up on behalf of the Jewish people and that was very very powerful so I, I think like you know there's so much going on over here this parsha is full of stuff there's so many things happening here and i think like it's so easy to like kind of gloss over this verse obviously there are other commentators who talk about it, it has to do with the kohanim and we to, we're not, but for the purposes of how we're, we're going to go with with the rambam on this one that this smack in the middle of this conversation about holiness for right remember last week we had the conversation of holiness of people Parsh kedoshim ended up with all the things that how do we be holy and now we have the Kohanim being holy and we have the animals being holy and there's this little kind of throwaway line that i want us to hold on to because from here this is going to be the link from holiness to sanctifying time and that that place of how do we do that how do we make that link how do we have the power to make the right choices Um, you know, it, it, we live in a world that we are inundated, which by the way, is a really good word with, with, um, with so much, so much that doesn't want to celebrate God and holiness. Uh, and can we still be the, the force that stands up and says, but I'm not going to buy into your lies and I'm not going to buy into your story and I'm not going to buy into your narrative because I'm Jewish and that is not my story. And that is not who I am, and that's not what I do. And, and to say, Hashem says, when we're able to do that, that's where the source of brachas is in. From there, we're going on to Yom Teber. We're coming into what the whole section of Mikra'i Kodesh. Okay, the Yom Teber are called holidays. They're called Mikra'i Kodesh, meeting places of holiness. How do we meet Hashem? How do we come to Hashem in a place of holiness and say, yalla, we're in this together? When we really stand up for Hashem. Because that's that's what the whole point of Dear B'te is. The point is, can we stand up to forces that want to say, don't be holy, don't be special, don't be kind, don't, be, don't go the extra mile, go the easy way. And Hashem says, but how do we come to that place? What's the bridge between holiness and time being holy and meeting Hashem in a holy space is a place of Kiddush Hashem and Chil Hashem. You know, we were kids. They always used to tell us, you know you go in the street and you walk around and everybody sees you i'm like oh my gosh leave us alone nobody's looking at us as an adult everybody's looking at us i'm telling you you get on the you know do you remember being on the bus in israel and like this loud group of kids get on the bus and you're like oh my gosh right we want people to look at us and say that is beautiful that is special that is holy that is what i want for myself that is what i want for my life that's what i want we need to be the example and that to show people that it is possible to with, to withstand the seduction of the world to withstand the material you know bye 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 all that it's possible it's possible to make the right choice and not the easy choice so i want to give us all a bracha i want to give us a bracha that that the next Mikra Kaidish, the next holiday that we have, the next calling, the next meeting of holiness, which is going to be Shavua Samir HaShem from the Torah. That's the next biblical holiday we have coming up. We should be able to do it here in Eretz Yisrael. We should really, really meet HaShem in a place of holiness. And until that, we should be blessed to make the holy choices, to make the right choices, to make the shining example of who I am as a Jewish woman, as a powerful Jewish woman, and to be able to say, God, I'm able to meet you, whether it's on Shabbos, whether it's on a holiday, because I know that I've made the right choices and I've done the good things. So, love you all. This has been super fun. And yeah, we should... Amen. Thank you so much. My pleasure. We should uh, meet here. Really, really, really. Okay? Amen. Thank you. Bye, guys. Love you. Bye. 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 Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone.